Welcome to The Intuitive Customer, where we discuss how you can improve your customer experience and your bottom line by embracing behavioral economics. And now, here are your hosts, world-renowned thought leader on customer experience, Colin Shaw, and Professor Ryan Hamilton from Emory University. Loyalty is an emotional attachment. So whenever I'm giving a conference speech or something like that, I often say, who are the people you're loyal to? Define loyalty in purely transactional terms, right? That means that you buy from us frequently or you buy large amounts from us, which are all good things from a business perspective, but they're not loyalty. So the danger is, if I looked at internet providers for a moment, the inertia that they have, they could interpret as being loyal. So I've been with my internet provider for five years, therefore I'm a loyal customer. No, I hate you to bits. So Ryan, one of the things that drives me around the pole or around the bend, whichever way you want, you know, if you want to go around a pole or a bend, I don't mind which way. All right, we need to stop the podcast right now and talk about this <laughs> because those seem like two very different <laughs> approaches to crazy. Two very different things, yes. What drives me mad is when organizations talk about loyalty, what they actually mean is, the customer gives me all of their business. That's the best kind of loyalty. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, you know, we carry on just abusing customers, but they come to us every time anyway. But it sounds a grand phrase. So this podcast is going to be about the secrets of customer loyalty. So what are the secrets around it? And I think that there are two Shall I tell you them? Yeah, let's start by revealing the secrets. I think any novelist will tell you that's the way. Just reveal everything up front. There's no more suspense. Absolutely. So the first of them, I think, is that when you think about loyalty, loyalty is an emotional attachment. So whenever I'm giving a conference speech or something like that, I often say, who are the people you're loyal to? And the reply always comes back, you know, family, friends. And I go on and go, well, hold on. So if I was to turn around and say, I've got this great family, they're a lot cheaper to run than your existing family, (laughs) would you swap? (laughs) I'd never thought of it in those terms, but I think we should talk. (laughs) Applications available, just go to beyondphilosophy.com. My family can be expensive. I have a lot of kids, so... But the point I'm making is clearly that it's silly. And why is it silly? Well, you wouldn't do that. You don't make a transactional decision upon your family, because if you did, then nobody would probably be with their family anymore. But also your family do things to you you don't like, but you still love them and you're loyal to them. You know, So first secret here is loyalty really is an emotional attachment. You build, and that's an important word for me, you build an emotional attachment with customers. And that means it takes time. And it's about the relationship you have. And moreover, it's about what you do. Because again, if you analyze it, 
what have you done? How did you fall in love with your wife? Then, you know, there are things that you did that, or she did that eventually made her fall in love with you and therefore built up that loyalty. Does that make sense? I love this as a starting point, right? Because most firms define loyalty in purely transactional terms, right? That means that you buy from us frequently or you buy large amounts from us, or which are all good things from a business perspective, but they're not loyalty necessarily, right? Because habit works the same way, right? Habitual buyers buy frequently from a provider or buy every time that they buy, they go back to the same provider. Looking just at the transactions, habitual purchases and loyal purchases look the same, but they're not the same. They're rooted into entirely different psychological processes. And so defining loyalty in terms of emotional connection, I think is a very, very important place to start. When you think about it, I mean, let's, we're going to talk about two of my favorite subjects on this podcast, Apple and internet providers. Mm -hmm. So the danger is if I looked at internet providers for a moment, the inertia that they have, they could interpret as being loyal. So I've been with my internet provider for five years, therefore I'm a loyal customer. No, I hate you to bits. And if there was literally any chance at all, I would leave you in a heartbeat, but I'm just locked in for various logistical reasons. It would be a massive mistake for the internet provider to interpret that as loyalty. Yeah. And I think the problem is, I think that they do think about that as customer loyalty. And that's why you it spawns things like, well, we provide this, we provide this offer to new customers. Those customers who have been with us for five years, you can't have it. You continue to pay the sucker rate, <laughs> but we're going to go out and offer a discount to disloyal customers, yeah. No, absolutely. So I think that for me is like the first secret in this area. The second secret is something that we spoke about in our book, The Intuitive Customer, of which this podcast is so named. And that is this bit about loyalty and memory. And we said in the book that loyalty is a function of memory. Again, just to put that in people's brains, clearly for you to repeat going somewhere or doing something or repurchasing something, by definition, for you to have made that decision based upon loyalty, you would have needed to remember that previous interaction. And the problem is, you know, because if you didn't remember that interaction, then guess what? You would be making that decision completely afresh without the influence of that memory part of things. So you have to embrace the fact that loyalty is a function of memory. And therefore, that sort of ties into, well, how are memories and all those things formed, which is something we've coped with a couple of times on this podcast more than once because it's certainly a favorite topic of mine. I can see why you like talking about loyalty so much because it's your two favorite groups of theories, emotion and memory. And I agree with your definition. I think that those are the two kind of secrets, the two key components for understanding and managing 
loyalty. Yeah. And I think the challenge is that I go back to what I said at the beginning. The issue is that people don't even consider the emotional and the memory part of things. Again, we're going to repeat something that we've said many times on this podcast before, but for those people that haven't listened to it before, if you then go, well, how are memories formed? You now go into Professor Daniel Kahneman and the peak end rule. And again, let me say that slowly, because as I said on a previous podcast, somebody thought I was saying peak and nuts, but they're not. It's peak end rule, which basically says what you remember in an experience is you remember the peak emotion that you felt and you remember the end emotion that you felt. Those can be positive or negative, and therefore that creates the memory. So again, interestingly, it ties back to that emotional part and understanding customer emotions. They are related. I like the idea that you would suddenly interrupt a podcast recording just to let people know what your favorite nut is. <laughs> you know, here we're talking about memories, but just so everybody knows, pecans rule, all right? I mean, they are just the best. And then I have to say I prefer cashews, and then we get into a fight. I always remember watching the England football team once, unbeknownst to the world, they were having this competition about how many song titles they could get into an interview. (laughs) (laughs) So by saying, uh, well, yeah, I think we were simply the best today, or, you know, I need a little help from my friends or something like that. So maybe our version of it is nuts. Yeah, we just try to get into as many. I can't think of how to build almonds into this conversation, though. We'll work on it. Yeah. So is there anything else is happening from your perspective or from a psychological theory perspective when it comes to looking at customer loyalty? Is there anything else that is happening there that you would pull out as being a secret or something like that? Well, I mean, one of my hobby horses is when firms call things loyalty programs that are clearly not designed to engender loyalty as we've defined it. It reveals that they don't understand what they're doing and it can actually kind of damage their long-term prospects. So loyalty as a rule can't be bought. Or if you want to buy somebody's loyalty, you can't do it with peanuts. You got to like really see what it is there, Colin. Yeah. (laughs) I like that. You're welcome. So you can't buy somebody's loyalty, just like you were saying, you know, you wouldn't trade your family in for a more efficient model. You also can't be paid off and create loyalty. Loyalty is based on these intrinsic motivators, the idea that you genuinely like something or appreciate it or feel obligated towards it. And there's a large body of research that shows that extrinsic motivators, including paying people off, kills off intrinsic motivation. So one famous example, there was a blood bank somewhere in the US and they wanted to increase donation rates. So like any rational economist would tell them, well, if you want people to do more of something, then start paying them to do it. And so they started offering a financial incentive for people who would donate blood. And what they found was blood donation rates tanked. They like dropped through the floor. That actually caused a lot of problems. And the reason was people were donating blood before because of this intrinsic motivation. They felt like it was the right thing to do. And then as soon as you start paying them, then now that changes the calculus. And it's like, all right, well, are you paying me now enough? And heaven forbid you stop paying them, right? So 
people are loyal because they like the thing, because it makes them feel good, because they feel obligated towards it. As soon as you start paying them for it in cash or often in points or rewards, you run the risk of turning it into a transaction, where now it's more utilitarian. And I'm going to still shop with you, but I'm not doing it because I'm loyal to you. I'm doing it because I'm getting paid off. Sure. And that, I think, is a really good point, because what you start to look at is what's the motivator of loyalty? Yeah. So, you know, what is motivating you to be loyal? And one of the things, therefore, one of the measures that we know that we've got in this area, and one of the reasons I like Net Promoter as an overall measure is because I think that starts to talk about loyalty. It obviously asks the question, what's your likelihood to recommend to a family or colleague, you know, company xyz to a family colleague and by the definition of the word recommend means that there is some sort of emotional engagement there level of enthusiasm beyond just satisfaction yeah and to be honest with you there's a sort of certain responsibility so if you came to sarasota and said where can i go to eat or where's a decent hotel and i told you a place and you then the next day said it was awful i'd feel guilty So I think that starts to look at that emotional part and more organizations are starting to look at this emotional aspect, but they haven't necessarily tied it to loyalty. And what we know is that you can actually, through research, and we do this with a thing we call an emotional signature, where you can turn around and say, well, which emotions drive loyalty? Okay, so which emotions do we need to evoke in our customers that will drive customer loyalty. And you can then look at loyalty, obviously, through a number of different lenses, not least of which is, well, are they recommending us? But clearly, you know, how many of them are coming back and buying things and all those things. Let Beyond Philosophy help you discover what your customers really want, not what they say they want, by uncovering the hidden drivers of value in your customer experience to create real ROI. Contact Beyond Philosophy by going to beyondphilosophy.com slash contact. That's beyondphilosophy.com slash contact. Again, I'm going to quote a guy that had an influence on my career, Stephen Covey, Seven Habits. He talked about the fact that we have an emotional bank account. So let me get on to my second topic of Apple. And this is the bit about what Covey was basically saying is think about the fact that you have this emotional bank account and what you need to do is when you have a relationship with a person or even with a company, when you're doing something positive, you're paying into that emotional bank account. Okay. And if you think about your family, you know, they do things for you, which you like, and therefore they're paying into that emotional bank account. And like with Apple, so everybody knows that I love Apple you know, there are times that Apple do things that I don't like. And therefore, it's taking a couple of units out of that emotional bank account. But the key issue is, is it never gets to zero. They keep filling it back up, then something happens. And I think, oh, I don't, you know, I wish they wouldn't do that. Or, you know, and therefore it takes a couple of them out. The point being, most organizations, in my opinion, don't even consider that emotional bank account. You, you don't even sort of measure that emotional bank account and therefore the danger is is they're already at zero and then something happens that causes the customer to go that's not very good so now 
guess what, you're in minus two, and therefore I'm now annoyed. Or we've dealt with a client who shall be nameless, whose net promoter score was minus 52. Now, for those who aren't in the space, that's bad, I take it. Yeah. So zero basically means it's obviously neither one thing or another. Apple, as an example, I think the last stats I saw was they were something like plus 70 different industries at different places, but minus 52 is bad. So imagine with those customers, not that they've got many left, uh, (laughs) but you're now doing things that are annoying those customers even more. They're just going to end up leaving you because they're not loyal. Yeah, this issue of, you know, what happens when things go wrong, that to me is one of the key indicators of loyalty. You know, you and I have bonded over the fact that we both grew up liking terrible sports teams. You were a fan of the the Luton Town Football Club. I grew up a fan of the Cleveland Browns. As products, as services, these teams are failures. Like, you know, if the point of a sports team is to win games, my goodness. Um, I saw somebody publish a stat once. The Cleveland Browns last season finally started to turn things around a little bit. But there was a, a point in time where there had been three Star Wars movies released between the time that the Cleveland Browns had won games. They'd gone multiple seasons without winning a game. Like It was just terrible. And yet, there were still people loyal to the team. It's worth asking, if you manage a brand, if you are in charge of a customer experience, why? What happens that allows that? And it goes back to these questions of emotion and memory. You know, a lot of the people who have deep relationships with sports clubs, it's because of these profound emotional experiences that they have that get stuck in their memory, that become part of their self-definition, that they're willing to wait it out through terrible seasons year after year for that, you know, the hope of things getting better. Or they're just stupid. You know, have you considered targeting stupid people? (laughs) (laughs) It's a business model is what we're saying. I have to say, if I looked over the years of being a season ticket holder at Luton Town Football Club, in the last five years, we've done exceptionally well. But we fell from the premiership literally out of the league. And to do that in the UK or in the English league, you actually have to go through four leagues. We went into the what's called the Conference League. They were playing like elementary school soccer teams at that point. Uh, well, yeah, semi-professional teams. Semi-professional. So it's buddies from the pub who all have day jobs? Yeah. So some of the people that they were then ended up playing against was like the postman who'd just been out on his round and (laughs) he just managed to get in there, you know, and somebody else that worked in the local pub. We've just scheduled a game against the Firemen's League. We're very excited. Yeah. In fact, I phoned Luton the other day and I said, what time's kickoff? And they said, what time can you get here? (laughs) (laughs) But this is the point, right? Like, these sports clubs can be a profound learning experience for people who are managing brands because they're brands and they're successful in ways that a lot of mainstream brands aren't because people don't think about their products and services in that way. One of the profound secrets for managing loyalty for me is there's kind of no tricks to getting there. Loyalty is the single most important reason, in my opinion, to care about customer experience. Because that's really what drives loyalty almost always, is you go in and you buy from somebody or you experience something, you provided some service, 
And the experience is just so good that it forms that emotional connection that you remember it going forward. And that's what makes you loyal. So the design of your entire customer experience program, that whole strategy around the customer experience, that's what's going to be the best way of managing loyalty. All of these short-term tricks and tips and uh, loyalty programs, that's not going to do it. And in some cases, it'll make it worse. Like, Are you just fundamentally providing great service and a great product and a great experience? And I think it goes back to that sort of commoditization thing. So a couple of examples I would use here. One is we were doing some work with one of the cinema chains in England when Beyond Philosophy first started back in the day. I found it interesting that when we talked about going to the cinema, we never talked about which brand we went. We basically said, should we go to Hemel Hempstead or Milton Keynes, which are two towns in England? So you didn't say shall we go to Odeon or shall we go to Cineworld? Yeah? You weren't choosing the brand, you were choosing just the location. And the other one that I think is really interesting in the States, I went up to get a nut and a screw and I didn't have the nut, so I went up to one of the Home Depot or Lowe's to get a walnut. You see what I've done there? I did, I did. That was your nut for the <laughs> wall, yeah, or a walnut. You didn't need to finish the story. I know that the whole thing was a setup. <laughs> For me, both of those, it's an irrelevance which I go for. In fact, they're both equidistance between where I live, and it just depends on if I'm passing it, which one I'll go to. And they're both exactly the same as each other. But So there's no loyalty there whatsoever. And the other interesting part is most organizations, I have to say both of those in- included, don't do anything to get my loyalty. It's like they just exist and that's it. And the answer with the internet is they probably won't exist, all these organizations at some point in the future. Because interestingly thinking about it, actually I'm more loyal to Amazon than I am to them. So let's try and wrap this up. What would you do then? What advice would you give to somebody? What should they go away and do? I mean, I'll just repeat the last thing I said. There's no shortcuts to loyalty. If you want to engender loyalty, maximize that emotional reaction that people are going to have and embed these things in memory. And the way that you do that is the kind of slow, steady, unsexy process of developing a great customer experience. That's what people will remember. That's what will kind of create these emotional connections. And that's what will ultimately lead to loyalty. Yeah. And for me, I would offer a couple of practical bits. First one is you've got to embrace the fact that customer loyalty is an emotional attachment. And therefore, you're talking about emotions. By definition, therefore, you're starting to say, well, what emotions are driving that loyalty? Okay. And then you get on to our normal stuff, which is, okay, so therefore you've got to design an experience that will evoke the emotion that's driving loyalty. You've got to start to measure that as well. But, you know, really try to get out of the habit that thinking that customer loyalty is this customer gives me anything. And the other piece of advice I would just reiterate was don't confuse inertia with loyalty. 
just because you've got a load of customers buying things from you, it does not mean they're loyal to you. And understanding which are and which aren't and how to move those that aren't into being loyal is another key aspect. Okay, so thanks very much, everyone, for listening. We hope this has been useful. If you want to get in contact with us, give us any feedback, suggest any topics, then please just send us an email at contact at beyondphilosophy.com. That's contact at beyondphilosophy.com. Thanks very much for listening, and we'll talk to you next week. Thanks, everybody. This has been The Intuitive Customer with Colin Shaw and Professor Ryan Hamilton. But it doesn't end here. Just go to beyondphilosophy.com slash podcast to find all of our shows, access free tools and resources, and subscribe, won't you? That way you'll never miss a show. That's beyondphilosophy.com slash podcast. And we'll talk with you next time on The Intuitive Customer.